Welcome to Coffee and Bronuts. What is up, Bronut Holes? It is Coffee and Bronuts, a fresh brew. I haven't heard that phrase in a while. But this episode is brought to you by G-Hop Barbell on the DT Rabbit Hole Media House of Podcasts, Entertainment. We're growing it up. And this is our first sponsor. It's really cool. It's my good friend, Shay Manzo. He's a personal trainer. I actually was there this afternoon working out with him. I feel great ever since I started working out with him. I have better posture and I'm just getting stronger every time. And I just feel good, like better overall. So anyone, if you're ever thinking about working out and you think, oh, I don't have the you know, time, I don't have, you know, the the strength it's for everyone. So really you can just reach out to him at G underscore hop underscore barbell on Instagram or G hop barbell at gmail.com. If you're interested in learning more about his starting strength program and learning more about getting stronger and healthier in your life. But that yeah. being said, as I said, this is coffee and bro nuts. I might, if you are a former listener of coffee and bro nuts, my voice might not sound familiar, but this guy I'm about to introduce it sound familiar to you, and I'll introduce myself in a second. But first off, I want to introduce my very good friend, AJ Casello. AJ, tell the people what's up. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Long time and no listen. So uh, Chris hit me up recently, and he was saying that, you know, if I wanted to get into podcasting again, he had a uh, reach out for me. Uh, his friend is running a what we like to call a, what is it, Chris, a, a organization, a network. We're going with network. A podcasting network wants to grow more into like a, a media hub, you know, whether it be written or, you know, audio or artist highlights. There's a lot of different stuff that is going to be coming uh, on down the rabbit hole uh, media, dtrabbithole.media.com um, or dtrabbithole.com, sorry. Perfect. No problem, man. I mean, and I have just been dying to talk about all things comic, movie, just uh, nerd related with some people. You know, my friends, they, they like it, but uh, new news comes out. And no one's in the know about it. And, uh, you know, recently me and Chris were talking about Quantumanium when it come out. We had a really good back and forth. And I was like, man, it really feels good to, like, go deep on these discussions with someone. And then he was like, well, you know, we're actually looking for a podcast to join the network to focus on this kind of stuff and we decided it was time to make a fresh brew of some coffee and bro nuts for everybody yeah and i used to do a youtube channel uh, called agree to disagree back years ago with uh, some a couple friends and we would basically cover that sort of stuff we do reviews news breaks stuff like that and it just kind of you know life moved on we kind of in our separate ways in that regard still friends but it's like you know you don't have that time to meet up and do all those things with the same people anymore because everyone's life's kind of getting in the way but finally you know i finally found some time and you know someone else that wants to do it again with me and and so here we are um you know obviously prior to my arrival here on the show uh there was this uh, you, you might have heard of him brian blackmore he's you could probably find him on instagram or tiktok on it's brian blackmore you might not recognize it by name but if i show you one of his videos i say oh i've seen his videos he's really funny yeah, he is the CEO of Nostalgia, I believe he goes by as one of his characters. And, you know, Brian's really blown up recently, and it's uh, it's great to see it. Um, we were doing coffee and bronuts for a while. Um, you know, life gets in the way, as they say. And, uh, you know, since then, he's he's just kept creating. And, you know, you could really see with his, like, 300K followers on 
uh, TikTok and like 80K on Instagram now. And he was just a guest at the Connecticut Gamer Con at Mohegan Sun. And, you know, he's doing I, really I saw well. Him there. I, was, I was chatting with him there for a little while, too. And I was happy to get his blessing to, to fill his shoes on this one. Yeah, and it's going to be great. And, you know, maybe we'll have him guest, guest on a few. He's, he's always welcome, as we like to say. So, uh, you know, with this new coffee and bronuts fresh brew we're going to be talking about all the things you guys love uh today's episode we're going to talk about some news a little bit get our opinions on some things and then tell them what we're going to be talking about today chris so i I don't know if you had the same feeling i had last night but there was this big gaping hole at around nine o'clock when i was on my hbo max app uh, that that the last of us had filled for weeks and it was not there anymore so we're going to go down and talk about Last of Us season one, speculation for season two, what our, you know, connection to The Last of Us is, you know, me playing the video game, you being more of a, oh, I kind of read up on it and I was really interested in the, the show sort of thing. And, and I think it'll, it'll give a good perspective of, you know, two different views on the show coming from the two different backgrounds with the, the source material. Um, but that, that's the big discussion today is, is going to be our Last of Us season one recap slash review. So definitely listen to the end because you're not going to want to miss it. Oh, yeah, and we'll definitely, uh, before we start talking about Last of Us, we'll give some spoiler warnings for anyone that hasn't been able to catch up on it or might be a few episodes behind. I know uh, now that I, I have a child, that's something that's changed for me from the last time we were recording Coffee and Bronuts and everything. Uh, it's a little hard to find time to watch things. So while you were missing something at 9 o'clock last night, I was just trying to get everything I could done around the house. So while... <laughs> Leo was sleeping. So it that's, was uh, that's the beauty of I, streaming is that you don't have to watch it at nine o'clock unless you wanted to <laughs> have zero chance of seeing any spoilers. You know, it, it you could just avoid it if you have to. But I was always like, oh, I need to watch it at nine o'clock. I need to watch it at nine o'clock because usually my wife would be asleep on the couch by then and I just was able to watch it and she would have no idea that I watched it. Yeah, and it's it's really hard to keep out of spoilers in this world we live in now. I mean, like, with everything so close to your fingertips, even Instagram, Reddit, Twitter, you're always going to get spoilers. So if you can't avoid those, it's it's really difficult to not get anything spoiled, whether it's Mandalorian, Last of Us, Game of Thrones, the latest Marvel or DC movie. Uh, they're in your face, so it's the easiest thing is to just watch it as soon as you can, like you do. Exactly, and that being said, speaking, you know, you touched on a few different areas that we're going to cover over the course of our episodes here, but one thing you did mention was Marvel movies and Marvel TV shows, one of which is Loki Season 2. It was teased, spoiler alert, after the Quantumania, you had the second uh, second post-credit scene was... Regarding Loki season two, you have Loki and um, Mobius seeing Victor Timely. And, you know, there's a lot of speculation on who that might be. Maybe we'll do a deeper dive when we get closer to Loki season two and we find out a little more information. But Loki season two, I know is supposed to come out summer 2023. I think it may have been pushed back a little bit. I think the release window just says 2023 now. So it might not come out until, you know, November. We, we, we don't know. Um, cause you know, we don't know much other than seeing that one clip after Quantumania. So when, when do you think we're going to get it? You think they're going to wind up being in the summer still, or you think you're going to get more fall? No, nah, I, I think we might even get, get winter Loki. Cause I, I feel like they're gonna, what, what is, uh, 2024, the, the Marvel movies coming out, I feel like are closer to 
what will be happening with Kang and everything. I think we have a few coming out that are going to be uh, pretty Kang heavy, and I feel like they'll want to push it back to that, especially because they've been trying to focus more on their television shows and uh, get what they're going with. Uh, like, just get the. I mean, I had no problem with the Marvel television shows. Um, I'm, in my opinion, the more the better. Um, I think it's just amazing we live in this time where we get all this comic book media, but a, a lot of people don't agree with me. Uh, they want quality over quantity, and, and while it is good, it uh, it does take away from uh, what we would be seeing, where we would be having four, I think, coming out in 2023, and now the plan is just Loki and, uh, what's the other one? Loki and... Have Guardians coming out this year. Right, Secret Invasion is the other one yeah, coming TV out in shows, 2023. Yes, TV shows, but yeah, yeah we're, we're also just just over a month away from Guardians Volume 3, which is, I think, going to be, uh, no pun intended, out of this world. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be something. It, it looks wonderful. Um, and, I'm very excited to see James Gunn's final Marvel movie. Or not, you know, he might sign on to do something else, but I think he's the, a little preoccupied with uh, saying, finally, he's going to not only be writing, but directing the new Superman movie that's going to kind of not really kick off the DC Universe, uh, but kick off, like, the main hero focus of the DC universe. I think you, out of everyone I know, you are probably the most excited for what's coming out of the out of the DC universe. But we'll, we'll get to those eventually once we're <laughs> a little closer and have a little more of a clear view on what we're looking at uh, coming down the pipe there. Um, but continuing just with Marvel quick, Vision Quest, I actually didn't know this until you told me. They found a couple more writers, which I believe they're just pulling from WandaVision. They have the one of the staff writers and the the executive story editor from WandaVision, which personally was probably my favorite Marvel Disney plus show that and Loki were probably my top two. Um, I think WandaVision probably could have used a little bit more flushing out ultimately just to get a little bit more of the lore and everything like that. And some of the wild, crazy stuff. But I think writing wise, it was probably the, the smartest written aside from Ralph Boner, but we don't talk about him. <laughs> um, we don't talk about Boner. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to agree with you. I, I think WandaVision was, is my top one. You know, I really enjoyed it. It was different. I think that was also one of the ones that COVID really impacted, uh, especially the, the finale. I, I had listened to some podcasts where Matt Shackman was, was interviewed, and he talked about, like, the, they were originally going to have a scene with uh, Wiccan and Speed in and uh, Monica Rambo in... Agatha, Agatha Harkness's basement and they would fight like the demon rabbit uh but they had to pull that just because you know things got switched around because of covid they had to do everything but yeah that was a that was a show I really enjoyed not that um I didn't enjoy all the marvel stuff but it was definitely the top one for me and also coming out of that uh Agatha wound up getting her own show I don't think they were planning on giving her her own show but she was so well received in WandaVision that they're like you know what? we have to we have to do it yeah, and I I feel like they definitely started casting. I may have heard that uh, filming started, but I think that's another one that because of all the problems Marvel has been having, you know, people are not liking Phase 4, um, that they're kind of re-looking at their plans for television series and maybe even movies i mean i know they gave us that schedule but you know captain america civil war was originally called the serpent society so we see how things change there and and, and you look at it and i i think the biggest problem with c with phase four 
uh, and this is probably where we're going to cap off our Marvel talks here. I think the biggest issue with Phase 4 that you've been referencing is that it felt like nothing has really been going towards an end goal. We're finally getting the, the goal that they're going towards now that Kang's in the picture. But when Love and Thunder came out, there, it was just kind of like, it felt like a standalone. It didn't really feel like it was leading to anything. And all the different shows they weren't really leading to to something in the end you know she hulk was just felt like kind of like a bottle thing but now we have daredevil coming out of that thank god um but where i feel like it's all just been their own things and there hasn't been like a, a clear focus of what everything's going towards because when you had all the different phases with marvel up until endgame you knew what you were going towards ultimately like you know all the avengers the first wave is like okay it's all the avengers introducing all of them and they're Eggs at the end of like the post credits was kind of a you know getting them to assemble. In the second wave, you have some more characters introduced. You have some more storylines. You have some more you know things leading towards you know whether leading towards Ultron and Thanos and everything. And then once you were going towards Infinity War, it was just like everything was just a clearly a piece leading up to the big end game. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that Phase Four feels more disconnected. Because instead of being connected story-wise, I feel like it's connected thematically. Because almost all of what we've dealt with and seen in Phase 4 deals with loss, as opposed to a connecting overall story. I feel like Phase 5 is going to really bring all these characters together in the way that Phase 2 did. Um, But I think that right now, thematically, they were doing something, and people, you know... A lot of people weren't really happy with what they saw and and what they got, but uh, I I was really enjoying it. Like I said, and uh, I think thematically it worked, but storytelling wise, they went a little bit quantity over quality in yes. some areas. And especially with coming off of something like Endgame and Infinity War, which was just so such a culmination of so many things, and it was kind of one of those. I feel like everyone's like, where do they go from here? And where and Marvel, I. I had to ask the same question, like, okay, now, now where do we go from here? I don't think they had a plan after that, ultimately. Then they were like, all right, let's start trying to plant the seeds uh, of what's going to grow uh, and move forward here. So I think that they're finally getting there, and I think that, you know, their reassessment of things is probably for the best. i not saying I didn't enjoy everything. I did. I watched all of it. I know I consumed all of it. Miss Marvel, I can, you know, She-Hulk, everything. But I feel as though some things just felt a little too ampy or you know speed jobs where it's like you know they could have flushed things out a little bit more so i i think that the reassessment might do them some good and space things out because it they ushered in this new era of everyone loving stuff that we've been loving and kind of i don't want to be saying made fun of for but it's kind of like one of those things where like it was cool to be a nerd and finally and we were finally having our moment in the sun so i it, they wanted to capitalize on that, and I think that they're finally like, you know what, let's just go back to what made things work moving forwards. Exactly. And uh, now, before one more thing before we get into Last of Us. Now, I know that you had a dream a few years ago about something that seems that you may now be a precog uh, with this news <laughs> you foretold that came out, uh, what was it, Saturday? Uh, Friday night. Friday night. So Friday night. Um, I was, I wasn't even, I had, didn't even know that was going on, but I was watching TV and all of a sudden I saw NBC was advertising for the Jimmy Fallon show. I was like, I don't really watch those late night talk shows anymore. You know, I feel like they've kind of gone by the wayside with how much podcasts and whether it's 
podcast or anything is really taking over the mainstream of how everyone's getting their news and interviews and stuff like that. I, I happened to catch that Keenan and Kel were appearing. And I was like, Keenan and Kel are appearing. I've heard some rumblings and I did have a dream. It was eight years ago. And ironically enough, when I go back and found the status, you were the, it said AJ Costello and 28 other people like this status. So it's just really <laughs> funny how you're the one uh, prodding me now. And you were the name that showed up there. Uh, <laughs> it was eight years ago. I woke up from a dream and I said, I had to write it down. And I was like, I had a dream that I saw a good burger two trailer. And then I woke up and it wasn't real. And then Lo and behold, eight years after that, 26 years after the first movie came out, Burger Part 2 is coming, and I could not be more excited for the nostalgia bomb to just completely explode when that happens. Gosh, 26 years ago. Talk about making someone feel old, dude. I remember <laughs> going to see Good Burger in theaters. <laughs> I remember when that movie, when I first got that movie on DVD, I watched it every single morning for literally a month because I got it for my birthday, which is in August and it's summer break. It's summer vacation when you're a kid. So I just put it on every single day. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Watch good burger and rem memorize every line to it. Oh, ironically enough, you know, you know, 25 years later, I can still recite the movie front to back while I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> That's quality. That's quality. So let's get into <laughs> This Last of Us discussion. Now, yeah, so, Chris, so, tell me a little bit about your relationship with yeah, The Last so my, of Us. My relationship with The Last of Us is ironic. It, it's very similar to my relationship with Banjo-Kazooie, and uh, you'll understand why in a second. Um, so, how I like to put it, I beat The Last of Us. However, it took me three consoles, two discs, and about ten years to finally beat it. <laughs> I Quite a while. Got it. <laughs> initially on ps3 when it first came out i pre-ordered it and everything got it on ps3 in 2013 ps3 broke and i were finished then i graduated college got got a job and just started working and then they i got a re-release it for ps4 so like, oh ps4 broke ps4 good i can get it on ps4 now so i got it on ps4 and i started playing it and then for whatever reason i stopped playing it again and then i got a ps5 and i was like and I have all these PS4 games I still haven't beaten. Uh, now I'm going to start getting PS5 games. I'm just going to get buried. And then they announced The Last of Us show, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to power through Last of Us Part 1. Actually, let me take it back. They announced the show after I finished Last of Us Part 1. Last of Us Part 2, I binged after they announced the show, which was still like seven, like five years after the game came out. But I uh, powered through Last of Us 1, powered through Last of Us 2, and I beat Last of Us 2 about a week before the show aired. And I related to my relationship with Banjo-Kazooie Banjo because that came out on N64, and I played it on N64, Xbox 360, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. And I finally beat an Xbox Series X during the pandemic. <laughs> now, oh, okay. is, is Banjo-Kazooie also made by Naughty Dog or no? no that, that's, that's Rare. It's made by Rare. which is Okay, Rare makes Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah, okay. Crash like, Bandicoot I, makes Naughty Dog. Yes, Naughty, Naughty Dog, Dog makes Crash Initially, Band. now it's Activision. That's neither here nor okay. there. Uh, Naughty Dog, you know, they, they've become this this storytelling just juggernaut with the games that they put out. Um, it started with, for me, knowing their storytelling, started with the first Uncharted game. And the Uncharted games are my favorite series. Like, you know, Uncharted 2 is my favorite game of all time. Um, and 
then they made The Last of Us, which is a departure from that, but it had just such a strong story, which you see in the show, and it's just like, I wish that more adaptations were taken care of as carefully as The Last of Us was, because, I mean, the Uncharted movie came out after being in development in hell with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, and I mean, it was all right. Like, it wasn't didn't feel like Uncharted. It felt just like a fun adventure movie. Like it depends on yeah. what category you want to put it in. You know, the Halo show on Paramount Plus, God help me. Don't even get me started on that one. Then now uh Uncharted was being made for so long that originally Mark Wahlberg was going to be Nathan Drake, right? Yes. He was originally supposed to be Nathan Drake. It was funny I saw an interview with him and he was like, "Yeah, you know, they they call me and they're like, "Yeah, we're finally getting Uncharted off the ground." He's like, "I don't know, man. I'm, I'm feeling a little too old to play Drake." They're like, "Oh no, you're going to play the old guy." You're going to play Sully, and he's like, oh, man, that's how you know that you it's been in development hell for so long is because you were supposed to play the young guy, now you're playing the old guy. Um, but, I mean, The Last of Us didn't have a quick death. You know, they talked about doing a movie, you know, Hugh Jackman and um, Maisie Williams were initially, like, in talks to star in a movie of it, which I think would have been great casting. Um, but you know, we finally get the show, and I think this is definitely the way to go with it. And, AJ, I'll let you talk about what your knowledge of The Last of Us was going into it before we start talking about the show and kind of our thoughts on it. Yeah, so I have a very odd relationship with video games. I, I really enjoy video games as a whole. Um, however, playing them is, is something I have a lot of trouble with. Um, when I was younger, I would play them all the time, but as I got older, my attention span just, you know, can't do it anymore. I'm so, like... Nah, I don't want to say it's because I need instant gratification, but uh, like movies would be coming out and I couldn't wait. So I would buy the book of the, the novelization of the movie. So like I read Blade Trinity before I saw Blade Trinity. I read The Incredible <laughs> Hulk before I saw The Incredible Hulk. And um, I, I think that's just something with me. That's why I have a hard time playing video games because any video game where I have to walk anywhere is is just so difficult for me even like the arkham games like i don't have the attention span to wait in the rafters to get someone to come up so like knowing last of us was coming out hearing that the story about it hearing everyone talk about it i was very interested in it you know zombies not that they are zombies but zombies are a, a big thing like the left for dead games i was they always were, a huge they weren't fan even of. allowed to say the word zombie on the set yeah because they're not zombies but but more or less a zombie-esque tale uh you know i i've always liked that idea you know like every other high school middle school kid me and my friends always talked about what would you do in a zombie apocalypse like what would the plan be where would we go where would we hold up like how would we do what whose jobs would be what and so like whenever you see that post-apocalyptic world it's always interesting so while i did not play last of us I did, when it came out, go on the Wikipedia page and read the plot of it. So going into Last of Us, I did not know exact details of what was going to be happening, but I had an idea of the starting point and the end point based on what I read about the first game. And, and then, I like, a, and, and I know you, a little bit about the second game as well. When, when you were talking about... Um... Reading the novelizations, I was going to chime in and say, oh, you know, now with Wikipedia and your cell phone, you could just know what's going on in about five seconds. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Does this movie have after-credit scenes? I, I have an app that specifically tells me if something has post-credit scenes or not. 
That's wonderful. That's I literally check so it for fantastic. everything aside from just Marvel movies because obviously every <laughs> Marvel movie is going to have two of them. But I check it for every single movie. Um, you have to now. You have to. Absolutely. And so, you want me to give my overall impressions first, or do you want to give your overall impressions first? Uh, so before we talk about overall impressions, I do want to bring up the opening of the show. Now, this is a very common thing we've been seeing with openings since, I want to say Marvel, uh, the Marvel Netflix shows started this with the song and then like a image of something going along, like a path it takes. Like we went from Netflix doing that, showing the images with a song in the background and then ending it on a big picture. And like we saw Netflix do it and then HBO did it with Game of Thrones, and then Westworld does it, and then uh, House of Dragons does it, and now Last of Us does it. Like, I don't even know how you would do the opening of a show anymore without doing something like that, you know? What, like, what do you think about that? I mean, I, I think it becomes so much of just a part of the shows and movies at this point. Like, I think, you know, especially with big brands and stuff like that, you know, as you said, with Marvel, like, it's the Marvel brand, and then they did that with all the shows. It was a common thread going up between them. And it's almost like, because you know, it's funny, because show introductions, like, have gone through so many different phases. Like, you know, you go back to even, like, the 80s, and, you know, you have the A-team with the song and, like, the crazy stuff going on, like, on all, like, the little clips and stuff like that. And then you go into kind of the, the late 90s, early 2000s, and it's just, like, a little quick little snippet. And then it's like, boom, and, okay, now it's got the show. Um, you know, it, it always like go, it feels like a roller coaster. It goes up and down and like the lengths just change and all these streaming services, they give you the option to skip intro, but I feel like they made these intros and no one skips them. <laughs> yeah. You got to have an iconic song to go with it now. The, I mean, dun, and, dun, and, dun, and as you said, House of the Dragon did it and I was like, oh God, what are they going to do? How are they going to top game? At the like, same. Yeah, yeah. Let's just do the same song and just put it with blood. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was such a cop out. They were like, I mean, "We have the, to do it." Even the Last of Us, they, they they didn't reinvent the wheel with it either. They they just took the the theme song from the video game and adapted it in. So, yeah, which works. And and that's the thing too. I feel like when you're making a show like this based off something, and even Game of Thrones, like with the books, it's it's nice to have something like that because fans are able to see like Easter eggs in it, or you can see something that like might not be brought up for a season or two. And, and so if you're really into it and the lore of it, you'll be like, Oh, that's awesome. Are we going to see that? Or is that something we're going to see down the line? And I, I think that it's, that they're crafted so well, especially with HBO shows now. Um, Cause I feel like Marvel moved away from it a little bit when it came to the, the Disney plus shows. Mm -hmm. um, because you know, the Netflix ones did it. Netflix still kind of does, you know, with Stranger Things and stuff like that. They're, they're, you know, you have the moving text that ultimately finally makes the the Stranger Things name, um, which I actually recreated once. It was really cool and really fun. But um, they they have these iconic openings for these things. And I'd like to know the stats on who hits the skip intro button for these things. I feel like if the, oh, stats, yeah. if the stats are that so many people were skipping them, then they wouldn't keep making them. But people must be watching them. And they... they, you they know become as infamous as the shows. I, I think that it, I think a big factor in it isn't what it looks like, but the song. Yes. Like if, if you have a good song, people are going to listen to it every time. If you don't, 
it's going to get skipped regardless of what the beginning looks like. I mean, South Park's had the same song for 20 years. <laughs> and I skip it every time. <laughs> Except for the one time where they did the Game of Thrones spoof where they did the Wiener Wiener version of the Game of Thrones song. Yeah, if I notice something different, I'll watch it. But most of the time, I'm just like, okay, let's start this episode. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go go ahead with your thoughts on Last of Us. Yeah, so and uh, I'll chime in here and there if I have uh, anything to say yeah, about oh, it. I, I did. I, I did really enjoy the intro sequence, um, especially since it incorporated the music from the game. And they, they sprinkled that song in throughout the season, too, on the you know, key moments, especially like at the very end, they, they put it in there as well. Um, but overall, I, I, I would have to say, and I mean, I'd be shocked if anyone disagrees with me, but this is the most faithfully ad- adapted video game project I have ever seen. And is such a breath of ironically i'm saying a breath of fresh air that they adapted it so faithfully but it's just like you see all these things and people always praise the stories and they just change the story to make it different for the sake of making it different and then everyone looks at them like you have this amazing story why did you mess it up and they didn't mess it up and i think neil Druckmann being involved in it so heavily definitely Attributed to that, you know, because now was he the show writer uh, or the he, game writer or the showrunner or the, the writer? He was the the he was the one who wrote the game. Okay. Um, and he, Craig Mazin's the the show creator. The two of them basically like executive produced it together. Craig Mazin, uh, you know, kind of the main writer on the TV side of things, I believe. Um, with Neil Druckmann assisting uh, with him as well, and. Two of them, I think, had a very wise approach to it. Um, they, they said, you know, we are going to adapt it. We are going to stick very much to the lore of the game, very much to the story of the game, but we will make changes if we feel as though it makes the story better. So the biggest no notes of that are episode three real with quick, Bill and real Frank. quick before we start this this is where the spoilers will start <laughs> oh so we're going into spoiler set season now uh aj just give your thoughts before anyone who wants to hop off for the sake of spoilers yeah i mean you know i i really enjoyed it uh going in knowing like the little amount i did and just like base storyline i felt that it, it's that i loved the opening like, like, let me start with that. The opening of the interview that looks like it takes place in the, uh, what was it, the 60s? Like, supposed to be like um, 68 or something like that. Yeah, that, that, was, that was awesome. And so going right into that, telling you basically exactly what's causing everything to happen was a great way to go. And then, like, the, the combination of... Focusing on these character-led stories in this world as opposed to just this world and constantly fighting the zombies and, and running from the zombies. And, and I'm only using Hollow zombies because, yeah, yeah, I'll, like, I don't know the, the what, infected? Or do we just call them infected? Infected because there's, you know, there's clickers, bloaters, um, uh, drawing a blank on some of them, but there's clickers, bloaters, um, runners, and there, there's a fourth one that, uh, um, on a blank on but overall they're just infected yeah so so see seeing it not completely focus on the infected like there are these safe zones 
that people live in that that the infected aren't a part of is is really nice to see because we're it's like fast forwarding what happened in the walking dead where like yes they were trying to find them but the story primarily starts in one of these safe zones so seeing that and then seeing like each character's background as it goes uh, i really enjoyed it i think the writing on it was superb there wasn't a single episode where i was bored or didn't like something um and then the relationship building between uh ellie and joel was also like a great thing to see and um i think they handled it all very well like i said not knowing a lot about the source material i don't have anything to really compare it to um i don't know if that's the way it happens in the games um i don't know what was added or taken away at times but um I, I feel like overall it was it was an amazing show that I, I think they did a really good job for. And I hope that the second season is able to live up with to how good the first season was. Well, my friend, you not knowing what was changed is why you have me here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what what was added in the show? Like, I, I know episode three that focused on Nick Offerman um, and his relationship like that wouldn't be in a game. But like. I th- was the character in the game was oh, like th- did they touch on any of that? So so the the biggest departure was in episode three with Bill and Frank. Um, and then there's a couple tweaks that were made to the story, um, whether it be something to do with a character, something a way that something to do with what happens to a character, um, and, and things like that. You know, I, I'll go a little bit detail moving forward you know in the in the first episode they elaborate a little bit more on sarah than you get in the game you do have some go with sarah you know walking around the room and whatnot and getting ready for joel's birthday and whatnot but you know you spend a solid amount of time with her but like the story was basically the same uh with her and the birthday and everything and how they escape and what what happened there so it it was really hard because as i said i played the game multiple times on different consoles, meaning I had to play the opening sequence multiple times on different consoles, each time getting even higher quality opening sequence that ends the exact same way as the TV show. And you know, the gut punch is coming, you know, it's coming and it still hits you on the TV show. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. It still hit me. I mean, (laughs) so episode one, like with that, but, and then, the, some of the biggest changes aside from storytelling wise with Bill and Frank in episode three, I'll go a little bit more into detail about how much that was changed um, in episode two, for example, with Tess when she gets bit and she sacrifices herself in the game. I actually liked it better in the TV show. It made more sense in the TV show. And also the whole, if you step on one spot, the whole network of fungus under the ground that alerts everyone, that's not in the game, and that's an element that I is wild. And even Ashley Johnson, who plays Ellie in the games, said, I want to play a game where that's in there. So that might be something that they add in the future. But- yeah, I thought that was a, a really cool feature because, you know, they are a fungus. It's something that is connected through the ground. You know, there's there's networks of it underground. So seeing it's, that, like, they... from an episode where they talked about it and it happened, it didn't really happen too much after that. Yeah, the whole time I was thinking, like, with it, when they got close to any sort of plant life or, like, 
every time it showed them in a building that was soaking wet or like in a city, I was expecting them to be like looking where they were going. And it didn't really seem to happen other than that one time, which is fine because like it showed it to us, but it would have been cool for them to like bring it up again or be wary of it. Yes. So that, that that's, you know, one minor gripe I have with it. But as it, so, so testing the game, she goes out basically in a firefight with a bunch of Fedra soldiers. So you have, one woman with a gun versus about 10 heavily armed military men. It's only going to buy you so much time. <laughs> that in the yeah, snow, yeah. we're exploding that whole, you know, the, the state house and taking out all those infected. It made more sense and bought Joel and Ellie more time. And I said, this is understandable how this is helping them get away. Yeah. I like the, the whole idea of them, saying as you brought up before the the changes we're going to make are tweaks that we think are going to make the story better it's not like we're taking the core concept and just creating something completely different it's we know people like this we're only going to do things that we think will improve it and that's very much the same take that um robert kirkman is doing with invincible invincible is having the same basic storyline and the only thing they're doing is he's including things and changing things he think is go he thinks is going to make the story better and so far it's doing a great job but um back to last of us now you said the opening with sarah was was very similar but the show stayed with her longer than we got to see in the game do you think that was just because we had to build more of a bond with her um, to get that ending of that for first scene, I, I, I think it to, was to hit as hard. It was definitely done more strategically because you get more time with her. You get a little bit more of the emotion of what's going into fixing the watch, and you you kind of see things collapsing around her. And you know, think about it. She's a kid. She's not as in tune with that as if like you were following Joel the whole time, seeing things collapse. She's a little bit more oblivious to the world in that sort. Do she's we innocent. get any of that in the game? During those scenes, do we see not, hear like things on the radio? Do we hear people be like, "You have to go home" or anything? Yeah, they, like there that? are there are some minor things. They're not as prevalent. Um, and then you know you, you don't get the minor things. You know, when she's at the watch store, you don't see like the, the oh we're closed, like we're we got to close now, and like the wife come in and tell the the husband oh we got to close the store. Or you know you you see even in the classroom there's like a a kid kind of twitching a little bit like is that kid mm -hmm. about to just go on a feeding? frenzy in the classroom because he had pancakes that's more this mor that morning um because it it did go around in flower that was what they alluded to in a bunch of episodes um, yeah i like that that joel straight up said um in the second episode i think it was he he explains to everyone what happened they were like explaining that it it was in the food and then looking back at that first episode and seeing like oh we couldn't have pancakes that morning or waffles or whatever he wanted and then seeing the neighbors eating those biscuits and them being like no nah, we don't want any and, and, and all that not eating was... the cookie because it was oatmeal raisin like there were so many instances yeah. where they quote-unquote could have been infected i mean granted it, some of it could have been clean you don't know but you know, poor Buddy Garrity gets eaten in the sec in the first episode. I didn't even realize that was Buddy Garrity from Friday Night Lights until I looked at the staff, uh, the the credits after the fact. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but but like moving on with like any sort of changes, like Bill and Frank. So Bill is in the game. Frank is kind of in the game. So Bill, which one is Nick Offerman? I've oh, completely Nick Offerman forgot. is Bill. So got it. So in the game, you go to Bill because you need to get a car battery. 
um, in a car or whatever. And he's so you, Joel and Ellie both meet Bill. Like Bill is alive in the game, right? So so that is step one. That's the biggest difference is Joel and Ellie get to Bill, and Ellie and Bill have this interaction. Like she eyes ass to him and stuff like that. It's it's actually one of the most numerous interactions in the game. So I was a little upset we didn't get that aspect of it. But you go to Bill, you 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 go with him to a school where they have the the car battery or, or whatever it is, and you that's the first place you see a bloater, and there's a lot of infected in, in the school, and you take down a bloater there. Um, so we you know we have to wait until we're in Kansas City to see a bloater in the show, and also some locations changed. The Kansas City story took place in Pittsburgh in the sh- in the game, um, but I think it. it it's neither here nor there when it comes to, you know, setting. I think it just made more sense, you know, route-wise and, you know, timeline-wise to have them in Kansas City for those uh, moments. But they, uh, you, know, you you fight with Bill, you fight through some, you fight through like a horde of infected, you fight the bloater, um, and, you, you know, the truck isn't in Bill's garage all clean. Like, they have to, like, basically jump a truck by pushing it while Ellie's like trying to jump it from the inside the truck with the ignition and everything. Like it's a whole thing. So translating that whole thing into TV might've been a little too in depth and too difficult. And, you know, the, the thematic changes. And I think that it also, what they did with Bill's note, for example, um, you know, it weighs a little bit more on Joel, I think throughout, like, you know, like, Oh, you know, take care of Tess or, you know, you, the part where Mm -hmm. he says to him, you know, sometimes you find the person that's worth, you know, taking care of, or that is your world sort of thing, you know, world may have ended, but you might find your world or whatever his phrase was exactly in there, but like she reads that to him. And then, you know, that stuff sort of, I think hearing that from someone like Bill, who's closed off and hates the world, hates everyone, you know, seeing how that changed him, that might've, resonated with Joel and influenced his decision a little bit more towards the end. Um, you know, some more changes, uh, you know, as I said, the, the Kansas city was supposed to be Pittsburgh in, in the game, but it's just a backdrop. It's not like it really changes much. Um, Melanie Linsky's character was not in the game. Neither was her right-hand man, Perry, who's played by the voice of Tommy from the game. Um, in Jeffrey Pierce, I think that it was, it was nice that you have a lot of the, main characters from the game playing characters in the show not playing their own characters aside from Merle Dandridge who played um the leader of the Flyerflies Marlene like she reprised her role and I thought that she was great in that um but you know the changes wise the biggest change with uh, Sam and Henry story is that in the game Sam's not deaf so Sam can interact he can talk he can you know hear but I, I think that I, I saw an interview once again with the the showrunners, you know, Mason and Druckmann. They were saying, you know, mm-hmm. Mason said to Druckmann, he's like, what "If Sam's deaf," and then basically Druckmann said, "F you," because I wish I thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> really added a different element to them because if you think about it, if it's just the older brother, younger brother, it, it's essentially a father figure and a child. It, it's just two mirroring of Joel and Ellie. It's a little too on the nose of like an older, um, you know, father figure taking care of them and doing everything for them sort of thing. Um, I think adding that sort of element definitely made it more impactful and the emotion of that episode, especially with all the sign language and, you know, seeing Henry's 
know, making sense of what he did. He's like, I did this because of this. And you completely understand. Once again, he's like, is it worth giving up him to save him? I would do anything to save him. Hey, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, I think that also just representation in, in stuff is important. And like, I feel like a lot of the times in shows like this, it doesn't look at like the different type of the apocalypse. It's always like, like you never see the guy in a wheelchair in the apocalypse. You never see someone who's deaf in the apocalypse because it's just focusing on characters that like they see as people who can talk, people who can hear and things like that. And I think that, that doing that not only gives us that representation, that the acting from everyone on all parts in this show was fantastic. And I think that that's something that brought it to another level. Um, I, I know we, we were talking uh, before about how the the Frank and Bill thing, th those are their names, right? Frank and Bill. I, that, that episode, I, I feel like I... I loved, I didn't get as much of the pull on the heartstrings only because I had to watch it in parts. So I didn't like sit down and watch the whole episode at once. Like one day I watched 20 minutes, another day I watched 20 <laughs> minutes, like one day I watched 15 minutes. So it like kind of pulled away from what the episode was trying to do a little bit. But um, I think that you can only have people running from hordes of infected so many times. Um, and I think, I feel like, honestly, Last of Us really only did it twice. Um, it was in that first, ep or that second episode with Tess, or was that the, the end of the first episode? Was, that was the second episode when Tess uh, sacrificed yeah. herself. Yeah, in the second episode with Tess, and that wasn't even, like, them running for a long time. That was just like, hey, they're coming, they're coming now, let's explode them. And then Kansas City was really the the main time that we saw a large group of infected having to run and hide and getting uh and getting away from something like that and um so there's the, you said there's four different types of infected i was going to ask that because that's something i'm i'm not fully aware of so there's the clickers there's the regular ones there's the bloaters um clickers, and like clickers, do bloaters just explode the bloaters are the big ones right and bloaters. are they just like super strong or do they yeah, explode they super strong i mean well? you, you see him rip perry Early and half so like yeah 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 it was funny so before the show even released they said oh it won't be as violent as the games and people were like oh how could it not be as violent as the games and all i did was comment to someone i'm like those violent moments are when your character dies so how are they gonna constantly kill joel <laughs> a million times so you can get all the violence of his head getting ripped in half <laughs> oh my gosh that's nuts so like it was just funny like that that was the logic that i had to try and speak to some random person um but i i completely forgot to mention when it came to bill and frank like frank was in the game but frank left a note to bill saying f you i hate your guts because he and bill said he's my partner so like he's alluding to that they had the relationship they had in the show mm -hmm. it, it went south and then he left him and frank hung himself and that's how you find him you just see his feet hanging so he's not he's in the show but he's in the game but not in the game sort of thing um, okay so you, you like actually get him as a character so that was the, that's the unique thing with the show like you could tell the stories of these side characters in a video game you're not gonna have a quick chapter where you're playing as two completely unrelated characters just for the yeah. sake of putting them in there um and when it comes to representation i i, I agree that it's, it's good to have some more representation but it comes to it i 
it has to make sense to have the representation and it was good how they did it like they didn't just like oh here's a deaf kid like they like gave him more emotional background like you know he had leukemia he um, yeah that's how he lost his hearing because yeah, like, he had leukemia so it's like there's so many different elements that they added that way, um, you know, and they had little nods to the game as well. Like when you when they shows them in the little school underground, there's like, you know, there's this story of Ish, like Ish is like this leader of this group that was underground. And you find all the like in the game, you find these notes, they're collectibles, like there's notes. And like, if you find enough of them, like you can read the story of this ish guy. And like, you see like the picture of ish, like being like a Superman, like superhero and stuff like that. Like, it, it was cool that they ha had little nods that way towards the different collectibles you'd pick up throughout the game as well. So there was a lot of little Easter eggs that I, I really picked up on and really loved. Um, there was a lot of giraffe Easter eggs leading up to that final giraffe at the end in the <laughs> final episode. Um, and see what else was really changed i mean it, um... does joel deal with um I, I mean you play him so i wouldn't imagine him dealing with like bouts of like all of a sudden things get hazy or the hearing fades out at any time that's added into the show right yes and no so it, it's kind of like in those games where like you you have to heal yourself and stuff like that if you get hit a couple times you know the the screen gets a little hazier right um, but his hearing thing was unique to the show in the game you basically have super hearing like you can crouch down and you can hear like far away and then you can get upgrades that make you hear even further so like he has like super hearing in the sh in the game and in the show he's deaf in his right ear but once again it's one of these it makes sense like the guy is aging like you know he can't crouch down for a long time he's what 55 i think he said in the show yeah i mean he tried um, to kill himself too that that was why that is something that also <laughs> didn't mention in the game like they don't that's that's what i was that. gonna ask was that a part of the game does that develop in the story when he has a conversation with ellie no like that doesn't come up like him saying you know i tried to kill myself does not come in the show come up in the game um, you know, they, they have the same sort of story beats and character beats with, like, their relationship building, but there's a couple different things that are done in the show that aren't done in the game. Like, you know, we always assumed that Ellie was the one that had to kill Riley, but she never said it until the last episode. Like, even in the game, she doesn't say, I had to kill my best friend. I didn't. Yeah, and we don't, like that. we don't see it at all either. I thought we were going to see Riley slowly turn but I feel like it works better to keep that moment to Elle, Ellie. You, you keep it to her. I mean, it, it's it's her moment, and it stays her moment. Like, it, it doesn't force you to have to see it or anything like that. Um, Man, so, but that Henry-Sam scene, that was, I think that was the most heartbreaking of, of anything in the show because of the reaction. Yes, and that is straight out of the game. Like, that is exactly how it plays out in the game. And the whole time, I'm like, you know, they change the characters a little bit. Maybe they won't do the same. Nope, nope, nope. They're just going to rip your heart out again. <laughs> that that, and Sarah, That was those are the two most brutal things. Yes. But just because the reaction, the, the what did I do? What did I do? And Joel just being like, you need to you need to calm down. And, you know, I really didn't pick up on Joel's hearing problem until he like straight up said it and she pointed it out. Like, I thought it was a joke. Are you going to hear it? But then yeah, it, they, it happened like a few more times. And I was like, Oh, okay. So this is like a real thing. This isn't just like your old jokes. Yeah, so they, they, they had a few subtle nods to it. Like when you go back and see certain scenes, like when, 
the guy jumps on him when they're first in Kansas City. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh, I should have hurt him or whatever. And like it was because he came up on his right side. And then, like, if you notice when Henry and Sam find them sleeping on his left side. So his right ear is the one that's up. And that's why he didn't hear them step on the glass. Mm-hmm. But oh. that was the thing when she was putting when he was putting the glass down, she was like, are you going to hear them? Yeah, exactly. So like th- there's there's a lot of things that like are done beforehand that you don't realize until that and then you can go back and there's so many little subtleties and like the little subtleties leading up to things that you don't even realize and that's one of them is like you know his hearing loss in his in his right ear like you don't you don't know that until then like you know even when he's sleeping in the bed with Tess um the way that he sleeps like I I think he was like on one side then he snuck up on him because he flipped onto his left side or whatever it was Mm -hmm. so so uh, there's a lot of those things um and then if we want to go down the list of more changes, um, you know, a, a little subtle change that was a nice little touch was the sniper in Kansas City. In the game, the sniper, he one-shots you constantly. So you die a lot in that sequence because if he one-shots you, you're done. <laughs> um, but yeah, then making much him just... like in real life. Yes, but making <laughs> him just like, like in that sort of time, you're not going to have trained snipers ready to sit in a house and snipe anyone who's trying to break out. You're just going to have, you know... The, the civilian army and it's just an old guy. guy who's just there so just the guy whose turn it was to be the sniper that night um now was there anything that you wish was in it that was in the game that they didn't have so i had said to you before we started recording um i would have liked to have more infected in the story um a big part in the games obviously um they they had the huge horde which was just that was my favorite episode was episode five because it had a little bit of everything it had the emotion it had the story it had the the action it it had the infected it had everything in that episode um and i i think that it could have done for some more infected you know have all these quarantine zones and they're like oh you got to stay in the quarantine zone to stay away from the infected but they go through so much area where there's no infected. It's like, why do you have to stay in this little city? Like you could probably start taking out like the three that are in this building and start actually building civilization again based on how you see it in the show, because you don't see a million infected constantly. Like in the games, you're constantly running from infected. You're constantly avoiding infected. But like every time they ran into it, it was like, Oh, it's like one or two. It's like, okay, well we have four people. They have one, there's one infected. It's not that hard to take down. Do you think that, so a lot of the show takes place in the winter or northern. Do you think that it's possible that the reason we don't see many infected is because while they, the, uh, was it cephalopod? What do they call it? Cordyceps. Cordyceps. My bad. <laughs> uh, while the cordyceps were evolving to deal with hotter temperatures, they are still not yet able to survive in the cold. So, or, 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 or weaker to cold temperatures. So because they were traveling during the winter and in colder areas, there were not as many infected as there normally are. Maybe, but the, the, the game itself, the game itself goes through all four seasons. Like it's broken up into four sections where it's each season. So like each season, like you're still running into infected. You're still, you know, it all, they all have the same elements. Um, it, it's funny because the the winter takes place in the colder states, so it's not even like that. Really, would have changed much in regards in the first place. But 
Um, so, so I mean, the the game goes through all four seasons, and you're you're still seeing them constantly. Um, yeah, and at the same time, if that was a thing, you would think that everyone would just move to the cold places. Yeah, you think everyone would just be in Colorado, yeah. Alaska? Yeah, it's been like, twenty years, so Wyoming, it would like be that. long <laughs> enough to discover be. that. Um, but, I just noticed that that all the, the everywhere they went where there was no infected was just when it was cold. It, I mean, that for the story's sake, it you know it works that that's just where they were and like how they where they had to get in the story. Um, you know, you you actually don't see Jackson in the game until the second game. Like they don't even go to you know like Jackson into Jackson. They they meet Tommy on the dam. You don't even see the dam in the show. Um, so you don't see Jackson until the second game, um, and then the everything else pretty much played out as it should. Um, the way that Cole gets injured is a little bit different. You know, in the game, it's it's video game logic. He he falls out of a two story building, gets impaled by a by like a like you know a piece of wire that was sticking out of like a destroyed median. It's like you know what? Yeah, like a bar or something. A real person wouldn't really live through that. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a set. You go septic immediately. That was the thing too. I was like, I don't know if just injecting penicillin directly into the wound is going to to clear up that infection. Which she has no idea what she's doing, and I'm I'm happy that did it that way because you know she's a kid and has never had to do this before, and she's like, all right, I hope this works. So like, I I think that her her healing healing him that way was good. Um, you know, the, the whole thing with David, I thought the whole David episode, episode eight, the penultimate episode, which HBO just always tends to make the crazy episodes. Let's put it that way, uh, with crazy stuff happening, big moments. Um, I thought that whole episode is very well done, almost beat for beat. Um, but that was one where you're in cold and you get a horde of infected that you have to fight off and you're playing as Ellie, that whole section you do play as Ellie. So you don't know if Joel's alive because the whole game you're playing as Joel and suddenly you're playing as Ellie, you're, you, as a player, you think, Joel might actually die here. We might just be Ellie the rest of the game. This is going to transition us. But actually fight off a horde of infected with David as your companion in that section. That's how he builds trust with her a little bit more by not letting you know her die in that way and like actually helping her and not killing the infected. Now, in the game, does Joel just naturally heal, or do you get medicine to help him from David? You do get medicine from David to help him, and then they do track you to the, the town. You got to distract him, get away. Like, it is that, – that whole thing pretty much plays out as it does, um, even the stuff in the jail cell. Like, he, he's locked up. Uh, she discovers what they're doing. Um, you know, that, that whole scene was ripped right out of it. There was a lot of dialogue from the game that was translated directly, you know, when – yells at joel everybody's left me fucking except for you doesn't make sense like that sentence doesn't make sense and the take that they actually use in the game they were talking about how ashley johnson just said that and they said that's perfect we're going with it like it doesn't actually make a proper sentence but it, it's exactly what you would do if you're emotional in that sort of scenario um you know the dialogue of him and her talking in the jail cells pretty much verbatim what it is and you know the way that she kills james is Exactly how it happens in the game. And, oh, James, played by Troy Baker, who voices Joel in the game. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, he he plays and, – and correct me if I'm wrong, but the guy who plays David does the voice of Nathan Drake in Uncharted, oh, right? That was not Nolan North. That was not? Does he voice someone famous? I don't know, actually. Um, 
Nolan North, I don't think popped up in the show. Would have been cool to see him, uh, just because he's you know very popular with uh, Naughty Dog fans. Being Nathan Drake, um, but Troy Baker is one of those guys. He does a million voices, and none of them are his actual voice. So like that's the guy who voiced Joel. If he was cast as Joel, it wouldn't have made sense. He just doesn't look the part. Um, but uh, it was it was cool to see him playing the other side and like being a bad guy. Um. But I, I think oh. Man, that whole scene was just so creepy yes, and like so groomy and just like not seeing that character like the real change you see when he slaps that kid and you're like, OK, there, there's something there's something not like we thought he was all preachery and like religious related and then seeing him slap that kid in the face you're like okay th- he's got a dark side and then the conversation he has with ellie you're just like okay this guy is nuts this is not a good man oh and the 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 bat the fight with david is basically the same in the game too like it's you as ellie you have to like throw a couple things to distract him then like you go up and you stab him and like eventually you do kill him and in the game, Joel, you don't you find out Joel's alive because he comes into the burning building and takes grabs you off of David. So like that's a little bit different. That's ugh. I think it worked better in the. Sh- I, I did like how it worked in the show to change Ellie's character because she went through all that alone. Like she was under the impression it was he was alone. Like as far as she knew, Joel wasn't going to survive all the people coming in, but he went all Rambo on them, which was an awesome sequence, by the way. Uh, yeah he just just taking them out one by one and you know that that first guy that he gets like you know he falls next to him and he's like you just see his face just like staring at him i thought that was one of the best deaths of the show um and i it's so may also make sense for her to see joel outside because how the hell did joel get into a building that's locked when david has the only keys so (laughs) Made yeah. sense to have her. At the same time, I was just like, just break a window and get out of there. Yeah. Um, I also, I also, it's Sam, he plays, he does the voice of Sam Drake, not Nathan Drake. He does Sam Drake right. in Troy Uncharted Baker 4. Does. Troy Baker does, yeah. Right. Not, not David, he's the one who does Jane. Oh, he's the voice okay. of Joel in The Last of Us and does Sam Drake in the Uncharted games. Got it. Okay, got it. Um, now, now, now I know. <laughs> and but yeah, and then the finale. Honestly, the finale was very much beat for beat what the game was. Something that was that's that's what I wanted to talk about too. The finale, once Joel brings her there and finds out what's happening, that whole end scene felt like a video game, like running out of ammo, picking up a new gun, taking the gun from the guy you just killed. Like, that was very much first-person shooter survivor game, which I thought was very cool. So that was cool, and that felt... Finally felt like, oh, I'm, I could play this section. Like, I could play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the whole giraffe scene was great. I love that they still included it. It was... You know, Ellie was sulking. It was funny, because early in the season, Ellie is the one making jokes, trying to make Joel laugh. Joel's the stoic one, not want to talk to her. And then in the finale, roles are reversed. He says he wants some jokes and he's trying to make light conversation because he knows that she just went through hell that she never that he never wanted her to go through. And he at that point, we all know that he sees her as a daughter figure. But he hasn't said it. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting to see that as well. And, you know, 
what, what I was getting at with the hospital scene is something about it just felt very rushed. Because, you know, in the game, it's, you know, Marlene says to you, oh, you know, this is what they have to do. Joel realizes what that means. He's kind of accepted it and he starts walking out. And then you know, the guys that are going with him, they're not as aggressive as the guys in the show. Um, so you feel a little bit bad when it comes to having to take them out in the game. Um, you know, he sees Ellie's backpack and that kind of is what spurns him to be like, I have to go save her. I can't let this happen to me again. I can't lose a second daughter. So it, it and then once he goes up, like he's just, he's, you know, he's invincible. He just shoots everyone, doesn't take like any damage. Um, in the game, you, you see a lot more people and you, it is more difficult and there, you, in the game, you will die multiple times in that section. Now, I felt that before, when he was trying to cheer her up, it, I wasn't sure if she was feeling the way she was because of what she just went through. Uh, because, you know, like, that whole thing with James, or David, what David, was his name? David. David, right? Yeah, that whole thing with David. Um, and then, or if it was because she felt like Joel was abandoning her. Um, in, in doing this. But then hearing the explanation come from her where she was like, I have to do this. I'm the only person like that that has this, that is immune and, and seeing the responsibility on her and like the toll it was kind of taking from her as a character, I thought was a lot better than her just being like, okay, now you're just going to leave me here and we're going to go. And it showed a lot of maturity and understanding of for that character, for Ellie. Yes. And listen, it, 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 it's interesting to see the roles reversed, and it was definitely because of what she just went through. You know, she it's it's because of what she just went through more than anything. Because um, she doesn't know really what's going to happen. For all she knows, they're going to take some of her blood, run some tests, and be like, oh, yeah, we can make this out of her blood. She doesn't know that it's going to kill her. Yeah, that was I. I liked that in, in the game. Does she try and cure Sam with her blood? Oh, that was something that was added to the show as well, which was a nice little addition. You know, it's it's interesting. Like Joel understands, like that's not how this works. Like you can't just be a blood donor on his open wound and it fixes things. Um, you know, you also don't see her mother give yeah, birth. Yeah, but you to don't her. know. You don't know, but you don't see. Her mother gave birth to her in the games. Her mother played very well by Ashley Johnson, who voices Ellie in the game. So she gave birth to... That's Ashley Johnson? Yeah. Ashley Johnson is the little girl from Growing Pains? That Ashley Johnson, same girl. Show me that smile again. <laughs> it's one of my favorite theme songs. It, the it's funny. because uh, It's funny that I mentioned... Troy and in Avengers. She's in Avengers. Yeah, she's, she's in uh, the Avengers, but... It's funny that I mentioned Troy Baker before, how, you know, he does a million voices and none of them sound like his actual voice. Ashley Johnson, the first second she says something, you're like, oh, my God, it's Ellie. It's like, it's just her voice. <laughs> so it, it's it was really cool seeing that, um, you know, seeing that relationship that she had with her daughter for less than a day and how that changed her. So there, there is a note that you get in your bag in the scene where you play as Ellie. Um, actually, or it was in the, yeah. Or in the DLC, it was one of them. The DLC, which is the Left Behind with Riley. Um, at, you can actually go into your collectibles, and then that you can only see that note if you go into Ellie's backpack. So you see that note by going into the backpack, and it's the same note that she hands to 
Marlene um, or whatever it was. And so that's how you, that's the only background you have on Ellie's mom in the games. You don't have any other background. You don't see any scenes. You don't see anything. Um, I felt like the scene where we saw her mom um, and and all that was happening, like, I guess Marlene and them were living in that house and no one happened to be, or that was their meetup place, right? But when her mom gives her to Marlene and then Marlene tells that guy, cover her ears, and then you hear the bang and you look and his hands are nowhere near that child's ears. <laughs> did you notice that as well? Yeah, I did notice that, but I, I think it was more or less like that guy's in shock, like, uh, wh- what? Like, what What are you doing? What do you need me to do? Like, I think he's, he... That, that's exactly how someone would react in that sort of scenario. It sounds like, and you a baby hold cover her ears. Like you're like, huh? Like it, it happens so quick. It's like literally bang, bang. Uh, I was like, you have one job guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it was one of those, like, as I said, with Bill and Frank, you have the opportunity to tell these stories that you weren't able to tell in the game. Um, and continuing with the hospital feeling rushed, like, you know, walks in and no looks the doctor he doesn't like him really talk or anything in the game you could take as long as you want like pointing the gun at the doctor he still holds a knife he doesn't try to kill you and like it can they could have built the tension a little bit more in that scene especially with a spoiler i'm going to talk about going into season two they could have built the tension in that scene a little bit more to giving you a little bit more of the doctor pleading his case and pleading for his life um yeah i i i get that and i understand what you're saying but i think that from the perspective of joel who we already know um like i don't know how much in the game it's i mean i assume it has to be talked about probably the same amount but joel has no issue killing people at all like even people that pose him no like no harm at that point where he's just like finishing people off when it doesn't need to be done like that one guy in the hospital he takes the gun from and the guy's like it's fine it's fine and then he just like shoots him in the head like there's so many times where we see joel being not threatened by someone and he goes that extra step and kills him anyway that i think it makes sense for him to just not want to listen to the doctor because he already knows what he's going there to do and he's already made the decision that she is more important than any cure that could come from losing her yep and that's actually a good point. I didn't think about it that way. And I, I do like that perspective on it. Um, you know, as I said, cause I was looking at it from the point of view of, I remember playing that scene and like, let's it, what the game does so beautifully is it lets you dwell on your decisions, like stuff like that. Like the point where you're like, how would I morally handle this in a way? You know what I mean? Like it lets you kind of yeah. make the moral decision. Cause you can, in the game, you can also kill the nurses or let the nurses live. But like, you don't have to kill nurses. One of the nurses played by the voice actor who plays a big character in the second game. I'm not going to spoil that yet. Um, I'm going to uh, just talk about that when we talk about season two and what we're look, moving towards. Um, but there's a nice little Easter egg in there as well. Um, Does the game have decision trees where uh, you can choose to do something or not? No, it doesn't have like a... Okay. It's not like an RPG in that regard. It, it has skill trees. It doesn't have morality trees. So like, okay, so like the story's going to stay the same regardless of what you choose to do. Yes, there, there's no okay. decision based uh, outcomes in that. Um, 
it's not as I said, it's not like an RPG. Like you know, it's not like a Knights of the Old Republic or Fable or Mass Effect or anything like that. Um, it doesn't have those sort of decisions that impact anything. Um, but then you know, when Ellie gets picked up by Joel, exit shot is just them getting the elevator. So like, there's no walking from there to the elevator because in the game when you walk the elevator. There's people that come up and like they're ready to shoot you, but they see you have her in your arms and they don't shoot you because they know what will happen if they hit her. Yeah, because they know why she's there. So like that's also something that would have been nice to little a little nugget that would have been cool to have in there. Um. So then. Yeah, and it's not even that. It's like him threatening her. It's just them being like, we we can't risk this at all. Exactly. And so you know, get out. He, and then everything else plays out screen to screen like you know video game to tv it goes straight oh yeah exactly so so in the game she she just knows that that everything he's telling her is a lie yes that's the that's the vibe i got so, in the car immediately was when he was talking about it and she just turned and went to sleep i was like she knows he's not telling the truth she knows that he's not telling the truth but she's just accepting it because she doesn't want to lose the father figure in her Right, exactly. But she, like, even when he says, like, at the end, when he says, like, that's what happened. If she's like, tell me that's what happened. And he does. Like, you, she knows. Yes. And it's it's put up more in the second game, and it is actually addressed in the second game. But he, you know, as a viewer, I think it's easy to tell that she knows that he's lying to her. And she's just choosing to accept the lie because she knows that if she pushes back... It would just cause more problems for them. But overall, as I said before, I absolutely loved the show. I thought that it was the best adaptation of anything ever uh, when it comes to video games, especially. Um, it's finally broken the curse um, that we hope that the Mario movie breaks as well in a couple weeks. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know about that one, man. <laughs> think it'll be entertaining. I just don't know if it's going to. I'm sure that that will be one of our April discussions is what we think of the Mario movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but looking forwards now, because we've done a lot of looking back at The Last of Us Season 1, Season 2. So, Last of Us Part 2 is a very polarizing game. Those who played the entire game tend to love the game. I, I do remember hearing that when it came out. A lot like, of people... There was a split between people that hated it and people that really enjoyed it. A lot it. of people to i'd say maybe 45 minutes into gameplay then never touched it again and okay i am going to i'm going to yell into my microphone right now if you don't want big spoilers for last of us part two or season two slash season three whenever it happens won't be offended if you tune out. AJ, you don't even have to listen to this part. You tell me right now if you want to know the big spoilers that are coming for season two. I feel like I know the big spoiler that's coming, and that is... Uh... It circles around a certain character named Abby, who I was referencing to earlier. Um, right. The voice actress for Abby plays one of the nurses in the hospital. But I don't think that she will play Abby in the show. Um, and Abby is a very polarizing character, which is what causes the polarization on the game itself. Because Abby decides to play golf 
a certain scene of the game and uses Joel's face as the golf ball. Um, and it will leave Pedro Pascal looking very much like Oberyn Martell in Game of Thrones. Oh, say it ain't so. Yeah, I felt like that was going to be what it was. I definitely felt like that was Joel is not going to make it. Not only does it happen, Ellie witnesses it happen. Oh, God. It's going to be so. So I'm going to say now um, I have heard Last of Us 2 or la- the game Last of Us 2 is going to take place over the course of two, if not more seasons, multiple seasons. I think they're going to end up building the relationship because I know there's a time jump between one and two. Between one and two, there's been a five-year time jump in the game. I think there's going to be a lot of what happens during that time jump mm-hmm. as season two, and so that we get like not only that we get just one season of Joe and Ellie being like with their relationship is now bonded. Like, it's formed. So, so Father and daughter. So this is just speculation on season two. It depends on how they want to structure it. Because in Last of Us Part Two, there are a handful of flashbacks. You know, okay. Building the relationship between Joel and Ellie that you don't see until later in the game. Right? So, like, you know, there, there's something that happens. You know, Ellie gets to a thing. She finds a guitar and she starts playing it. And then she flashes back to when Joel told her how, told her how to, taught her how to play guitar. Or she's talking to this girl, Dina, who's another big character in the in the game. You know, and she's telling her about the first time that they met. And then you see Joel in that scene as well. And then you see her confronting him about the lie that he tells at the end of the first game slash first season. There's a lot of flashbacks that are key based on where you get to in the game. So another reason why the game is so polarizing, and I'm going to keep saying that, is because not only does... Abby do that to Joel and makes you hate her. You want to just murder her that second. After a certain point in the game, about halfway in the game, guess what? Play the second half of the game as as Abby. Oh shit. You do. (laughs) You do. That also is why people hate it because not only do you play the second half of the game as Abby, almost start to feel like she's in the right in the game. You understand where well, she's coming from. I mean, yeah, I, I, I brought up that Joel has no problem taking lives and has done so many times. And, and even we're told before this, he has done some terrible things. Like, throughout the whole season, they don't hide the fact that Joel was, I mean, for all we know, a piece of shit. Like, not a great guy. And we're... We're vibing with him because we're getting this story and he is helping Ellie. And we saw what started off his journey that kind of influenced the way he is. But that doesn't change the fact that, like, in the scene in Kansas City when she's like, how did you know that was a trap? And he's like, because I've done the same thing. And when Ellie straight up asks him about, like, have you killed people that didn't need to die and things like that? And he, he answers that question. So it, it makes sense that you're introduced to this character who, I mean, I, there's definitely not no reason she kills Joel. And then you start yes, playing as her. You see it from her father is the doctor that Joel kills to save Ellie. There you go. So that's the twist that you find out later on in the game. Um, so as I said, it all depends on how they want to structure it, because there's there's 
whole bunch of the game. You play part of the game as Joel. You play part of the game as Ellie. You play part of the game as Abby. It's like, how are they going to intertwine the stories and what's the structure they're going to do? Are they going to do season one, season two, up until big climax of Abby doing her, her big entrance into Ellie's life? And that's going to be the finale that you have to fester on until season three comes out. Or are they going to do that like halfway through or something like that and then give you a little bit of both sides after? I, I don't know how they're going to structure it. A lot of storytelling elements that go into it. I think that just looking at it from making a television show with actors and people are fans of these actors, I don't think they're going to do that in the form of flashbacks. I think Pedro Pascal is too big of a name to only see him in scenes of flashbacks. Um, I think what would happen is we see in season two um, a lot of the stuff that's introduced in flashbacks of the game, um, but we'll just see it as a story, and, and they'll maybe build something that these characters are moving towards or have to do. Um, and then, like you said... Abby may be introduced in like the last episode of season two, pending when they want to tell that story. And then season three would really focus on like what happens once she's introduced. So I, that's what I say. Like they could go one of two ways. It could either do that's what they do. And then season three is going to focus on the, the conflict between Abby and Ellie or you no, know, you know, if it's another nine episode season, maybe episode Five is when it happens, and then episode four, like, you know, six gives you, or like, or at least they get captured, and then it goes into, like, Abby's backstory a little bit. I, I don't know. It, it It's going to be interesting to see how they f structure it and how they decide to tell the story, because there's so much going into it. And the game itself is, gameplay-wise, at least twice as long as the first game. So there, there's a lot that they can do and a lot of interesting things that we're going to get out of it. And it's one of those games where it, it's a standalone story. Like they, there's no DLC to it. There's no multiplayer mode or anything. It's straight up. Just, they gave you the story on the game and that was all they gave you. And it's regarded as one of the best games ever made. And it's, it's one of the strongest stories that I've ever made as well. And so that being said, I, I think that's all the speculation I really want to do for season two, but to cast Abby, I know we talked about it a little bit last night. I sent you a picture of what Abby looks like. Who would you cast as Abby for season two? I mean, I don't think that I have a better casting than what you had told me. Um, <laughs> I had originally said Ruby Rose, and you brought up that she would be too old for the character. Yeah, because I, I, think, um, and I then, think that her and Ellie are supposed to be similar in age. So, yeah, see, I don't have the, I think the that there's knowledge to be of the game to around like. 19 to early 20s like late late teens early 20s ultimately um characterized. I, I, Abby, I mean they could make Abby a little bit older than Ellie they don't have to be like the same age um but you know obviously you're not going to make her like 40 or, or like in her 30s when Abby's like when Ellie's only like 19 20 you know what I mean you're not going to make him too drastic like you want to keep him somewhere in the same realm you know I'd say like you know cap at like 25 ish I might be even pushing it um, but yeah, I, I, there's an actress, her name is Shannon Berry, and she just looks the nice. part and it's like, I could see her just like playing a, a tough bitch. And, you know, she's, she's a little, anyone who's played the game knows that Abby's a little bit of a, you know, more muscular, um, you know, basically like Ronda Rousey, if Ronda Rousey was like 15 years younger, I'd say put Ronda Rousey there. No questions asked. 
Yeah, and I mean, I assume the range for this actor is going to have to be like very good for coming into the game, killing Joel, then seeing the story of then learning that like Joel murdered her father and following her the story. And I don't know if anyone listening has seen the show The Wilds. Um, It's an Amazon Prime original canceled after two seasons. Um, Just one of those shows that, you know, they give you a mystery that you really want to find out about and then they cancel it and you never get to find out but um she is in that show and that that show has some superb story in it and i i definitely think she has the chops to be able to handle um i mean assuming i as i said i don't know much about the second game but i i do think she's talented and would be able to pull off that character based on what you've told me so i mean there's some other big story elements and whatnot that we could get into i don't want to give too much away like they just announced like that season two is going to start filming soon. Like, I'm not trying to get too in the weeds of yeah. what we're looking for, what they're going to do. Like, there, there's a lot of set pieces I'm interested to see if they, they keep or um uh, and whatnot. So I, I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Um, but I mean that that's that wraps up our Last of Us uh, discussion. I think that we had some good, good insights from you know both sides of the spectrum. From you know me having the, the history of playing the games, loving the games, and you coming in. Not like kind of as an outsider, but like not at the same time. Um, having you know up on what the story was, so I, I, I'm interested to see if anyone else out there came in completely blind and was you know blown away by it, or they think it could have been better, or if you know if anyone listening to the games, you have a casting choice for Abby, how you want it to be structured. I mean, there's a lot of questions we can ask out there to anyone who's listening, but um, that just about does it for for me. You have anything else you want to touch on before we? Uh, they are goodbyes my friend yeah i mean i can tell you right now i i have not heard anyone say a bad thing about this show um a lot of people i've talked to about it just through work and stuff did not know it was a video game and when they found out were like wow like they were shocked and i was like yeah it's 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 based on a game like they're everyone i talked to that that played the game likes it everyone who i talked to who has not played the game has liked it and they all agree that that it just it hits hard in it, it's just got the heart-wrenching episodes and then also has the action that just keeps it going yeah, and, like, um, even, yeah that's even it even my parents like, I, they've never played video games and like you know my dad's like i want to watch this show the last stuff so i'm like oh you're in for a treat <laughs> yeah exactly it's a it's a it's a I want to say a cultural phenomenon currently. Like the, everyone, the like I feel like crazy. the viewership, yeah, the viewership increased so much since like the first and second episode and probably the jump after the third when everyone was talking about it is probably one of the biggest like on HBO's history. But uh, yeah, overall, as you can tell, we both really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And as I said, that basically does it for us uh, here on Down the Rabbit Hole. I mean, not Down the Rabbit Hole, but on Coffee and Bronuts. Spot like brought to you by Down the Rabbit Hole. Um, you can catch all, all of our other podcasts that we have here. You can catch me on my other podcast, Next Man Up. Um, Billy Fias, his podcast, The United States of Alouettes, and my good friend Nick Gollin, who I saw over the weekend, um, In the Green with TJ Hawk, and then Diamond in the Pod, which was the first podcast that Anthony, who started Down the Rabbit Hole, um, with his friends and that that's one of our flagship podcasts as well and also check out any artist spotlights we have coming we have a lot of stuff coming down the pipe i really hope that you guys consume as much of it as you want um and until next time bro not holes that's about it i don't know you have anything you want to close out with you have any sort of witty closing line there aj <laughs> yeah no i i don't um 
you know, keep listening. We'll keep turning these out. Uh, hopefully we don't run into any uh, any huge breaks like we have in the past. Uh, I don't, we haven't really talked if we're going to make it a uh, bi-weekly, weekly uh, episodes out. But, uh, you know, I'm excited to be back to it. And I hope you guys really enjoy this. It's the first of what should be many episodes of Coffee and Bronuts to come. I hope you enjoy this new brew and we'll catch you next time. Have a good one, everyone.